How much does plastic demand contribute to global oil demand? And where will North America's first freshwater wind farm be located? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Beckosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hoke, a climate communicator. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd. Let's jump right into today's news. We've got a really short episode today. Let's start with some extreme weather events. Extreme rainfall has resulted in deadly floods and landslides in northern India, killing at least 40 people over the weekend. Flooding and landslides are common during the country's monsoon season, but climate change is making these events more intense than they used to be, resulting in more mortality, crop loss, and infrastructure hits. In North America, we talked on August 18th's episode about the drought drying out the Rio Grande along the Texas-Mexico border and how it's impacting communities there. One community I didn't talk about is the over 10,000 Latin American migrants waiting in Reynosa, Mexico for a chance to cross the U.S. border. Over half of these migrants live in outside shelters, even though Reynosa can reach around 108 degrees Fahrenheit or 42 degrees Celsius during the summer. They also don't have access to free, clean, and drinkable water, which is becoming more of a problem as the water gets more scarce. This has resulted in poor hygiene and waterborne illnesses being spread, mainly among children, according to Global Response Management, which provides health care to the shelter. COVID is also a higher risk there, where regular hand washing is a luxury for those that can afford it. Neither Mexico nor the U.S. are directly involved in these shelters. We have one climate study today. Bloomberg NEF, the research arm of the media empire, broke down how plastic will continue the lifespan of oil if not quenched. I actually did a whole video on this, which you can find a link for in the description box below. Basically, if we continue using plastic like business as usual, plastic consumption will increase by 90% from now until 2050 and will represent a fifth of oil demand by mid-century. Expansion of the petrochemical industry is mainly taking place in Asia, particularly China, followed by the Middle East. Asia is expected to represent 60% of the increase in oil-derived plastic demand by 2050. Recycled plastics and bioplastics still only make up less than 10% of plastics used, and the recycling rate has recently flattened as more people are learning that recycled items really aren't being reused. Reducing and reusing are way more important than recycling, by the way. Also, don't wish cycle, which is when people throw items into the recycling in hopes that they are actually recyclable. Contaminating the recycling bin with trash can result in the whole bin being thrown away in the trash at least in the U.S., so it's better to assume trash unless you know it's recyclable. Items contaminated with food or things like paper towels are not recyclable and can clog up machinery. Check online to see which types of plastic can be recycled in your area because everywhere is different. Recycled plastic types are indicated via a number in the middle of the triangle, which is totally greenwashing to look like a recycling sign. Wow, that was a rant! Anyways, our recycling industry is not great in the U.S., and it's heavily reliant on people doing the right thing. Other countries have better recycling programs, but still plastic items are not really designed to be recyclable. They usually have many different types of plastics or other materials combined together. Still, Bloomberg NEF's analysis says 35% of plastic demand could be met by recycled materials by 2050, which would avoid 4.1 million barrels of oil a day. The researchers' model of a circulatory economy, which would involve an acceleration of recycling, lower consumption of single-use plastics, and an increased use of bio-based feedstocks, could lead to a further 7.7 million barrels of oil from being used each day, which would represent a 43% drop in plastic-based oil demand. 
Under these conditions, this kind of oil demand would peak by 2043 instead of continuing to climb. BNEF says that as much as $759 billion in additional capital expenditure is needed from now until 2050 to decarbonize the sector. Okay, time for a climate victory. North America's first freshwater wind farm has been given the go-ahead by the Ohio Supreme Court to be built on the windy Lake Erie. The 20.7-megawatt icebreaker Lake Erie test project faced legal hurdles after residents claimed the Public Utility Commission of Ohio had not done adequate environmental assessments on how the project would impact bird and bat populations. The court determined that the commission had done due diligence in determining that the project would not cause any major environmental impact. The six-turbine farm was originally given $40 million to be constructed back in 2016, so this was a long time coming. The turbines will be located 10 miles off of Cleveland, and if the project goes well, it might be expanded upon. Offshore wind is a great source of clean, stable energy because wind continuously flows over water bodies. Let's finish off today's episode with a developing news story. Germany Chancellor Schultz is over in Canada to discuss Canada building a new liquefied natural gas terminal to help Germany cope with Russian fuel loss. A pipeline would run under the Atlantic Ocean. Ahead of the meeting, Canada's natural resource minister said he was interested in persuading Schultz to instead invest in a green hydrogen pipeline, arguing that the global shift away from fossil fuels would mean the lifespan of an LNG terminal would be too short to make economic sense. When I read this on my Twitch stream yesterday morning, I was planning on putting this in the climate victory section because it showed a potential mindset shift. But yesterday, Canada President Trudeau called the LNG terminal idea doable, but offered no timeline. How exactly a terminal, which takes several years to build, is realistically supposed to help Germany and the rest of Europe slash reliance on fossil fuels by two-thirds by the end of this year is unclear. Canada doesn't currently have any coastal export facilities because most of its demand comes from the U.S. We'll have to keep an eye on this arrangement. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and the International Energy Agency both say we shouldn't build any more major fossil fuel projects if we want to keep warming around 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And that was your short climate recap for Tuesday, August 23rd. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Beckosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.